are people sitting on the floor? That's intense. This is great. It is just phenomenal to see so many people here. Uh, seriously, I, this is amazing to see so many of you here. Wonderful to, to be here. And I'm really uh, looking forward to speaking to you about uh, Jesus today. I can't wait to talk to you about him. Uh, and lots to talk about today. So what we're going to do is, uh, I'm going to pray, if that's alright, I'm going to pray and um, I'm tempted to take a photo on Facebook with all the people that are sitting around here, but I won't do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and we're going to get into this uh, and then we'll go from there. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for bringing us here today. I thank you for every person that you've brought into this room today and I pray that all of them would be challenged by what you have to say to them today. I pray most of all that there will be people in this room who will meet Jesus. I pray that you give me strength to say your words with boldness and with courage and we ask that your spirit would work mightily in this room. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there anyone that you could meet that if you met them, if you had some time with them, would change your life? Would turn your life upside down? Now, uh, first of all, I've got a question. Does anybody here like slash uh, follow uh, tennis? Anyone here like tennis? Come on, come on. Alright, okay, there we go. Nice, hello tennis lovers. Uh, great, that is great. Now, uh, my guess is only some of those tennis-loving people will get this, uh, but there's a um, tennis player that I used to like when I was young, so he's really old now, so most of you might not even get this. But there's this tennis player, and um, uh, I used to love this guy. Does anyone know who this guy is? We have to, 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 here we go. Uh, uh, not good. Oh, does anyone know who this guy is? Come on! Only the older guy in the room can tell me that. That's right. Hello, fellow older person. This guy's name is Goran Ivanizovic. Now, I'm telling you, right, this guy, I used to love this guy. This guy was a phenomenal tennis player, really massive, tall guy. And uh, I, used to, I used to love this guy. I used to particularly love his accent. This guy was a Croatian. A really big, massive guy, and he used to kind of speak like this. Uh, he used to go, Hello, I am Goran Ivanizovic. It was phenomenal. Anytime he spoke, I was inspired, man. This guy was amazing. Anyway, um, I got out of my tennis phase, and I kind of hung my racket up by the time I was working, and, and because I didn't do arts, I didn't get a job. And I got a job at the Australian Securities Investment Commission, uh, and that is at, um, in, uh, in Martin Place. And the Australian Securities Investment Commission, their offices, uh, uh, linked to a hotel, kind of the same building as the Western Hotel in Martin Place. And what I didn't realise is that the uh, a tournament called the Masters Tennis Tournament was on uh, that particular week. Uh, and I didn't realise that the Western was sponsoring the tournament. And so what happened was this, right? I uh, one day was at work, and I I'm telling you, this is one of the big moments of my life. But I went down, right? I came downstairs, I came down the lift, and you're not going to believe what happened. I came down the lift. I'm just having my usual day on the way to lunch and I come down, walk out the lift and I just uh, went into the lobby and I just look to my left and I see this tall Croatian man and I think to myself, you have got to be joking. I am absolutely sure 
That is Goran Ivanisevich. <laughs> now, you understand, this guy's a childhood hero of mine, man. I looked at him again and I said, Oh my goodness, it is Goran Ivanisevich. I'm absolutely sure this is Goran Ivanisevich. And so what I do is, right, what I do is, I just, I, I mean, I just forget all inhibitions. I forget that I'm in a suit and a tie, and I just run like a little teenage boy, and I just start charging, right, over to him. And I run right up to him, right up to his face, and I just stand there looking up at him, and I, I, just, I lost words. I sat there and I went, I sat there and I went, I said, you're Goran Ivanovich. <laughs> and he says, yes, hello. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, this is, it's him. It is actually Goran Ivanovich. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I've got to get this guy's autograph. I've been, been wanting this moment my whole life. I'm just trying to, I, I, we're at a, next to a cafe. I grabbed someone's serviette. I grabbed their serviette. I said, excuse me, can I borrow this serviette? And I get the sign by thing. Uh, sign my thing. I'm just because I'm very excited by this, right? Here we go, right? And uh, I said to him, you've got to sign my thing. He says, okay, sure. He says, um, he says to me, uh, what is your name? And I said, my name's Steve. And, uh, and he says, okay, uh, oh, it's not coming up. Why is that? Oh, there it is. There it is. Uh, for Steve, Gordon, uh, who knows what Scooby is, but anyway. <laughs> This is it. Goran in Ivanisevich. And I've got, this, I've got this serviette. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to frame this. And you're not going to believe it, right? But what happened was, I said, I, mean, I walked off and I'm just like, I'm, I'm just like, I cannot believe this just happened to me. And the next day, the next day, I come down from my lunch break. So I come down from my lunch break, out of a lift, and I'm walking, I come out onto uh, Pitt Street, turn right, and I come to the traffic lights, right? So I'm at the pedestrian crossing, and they're you know, sitting there, and it's like, beep, beep. And then I just stand there and there's this really big shadow. <laughs> At which point I turn to my left and look up. It's Goran Ivanovich. I am standing next to Goran Ivanovich at the turning lights. And I'm sitting there just going, I cannot believe this. And I, I'm just lost for words. So I just stand there and I say, Hello, Goran. <laughs> At which point he says, Hello again. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, Goran just spoke to me again. And then, at this point, I, I, I got, for 24 hours in between my first meeting and that meeting, I was like so into tennis. I was reading up all about the uh, competition and I listened to the radio on the way into, uh, into work and I heard that he hurt his toe in the shower that morning. <laughs> at this point, I'm thinking, what am I going to talk about? So he's sitting there, boop, boop, and I said, uh, how's your toe? <laughs> he says, it hurts. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm in a conversation with Goran Ivanovich. Anyway, we crossed the lights in this. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I, just, I mean, I was just so excited, man. I'm like a, I'm like a teenage girl after a Beaver concert, man. I'm just like, ah! I can't believe it. Anyway, what happens next is, I, um, I, the next day, you're not going to believe this. No, you won't believe this. The next day, what happens to me is this. Um, I, uh, I come down the lo- into the lobby of the Western, and I'm running quite late for lunch. So I'm um, at lunch meeting, so I'm, I'm running to the Western. I'm going through the Western lobby. At one point, I'm running through the Western lobby, and about 10 metres away from me, I see somebody waving at me. And I'm like, someone's waving at me. I turn around, and there's Goran waving at me. And he's like, I can't believe it, Goran waved at me. And I thought I'd wave back, because he's my friend now, and we're like tight. <laughs> How you doing, Goran? I waved at him, I couldn't believe it, I'm just so excited. And when I went home that night, I was like, I cannot believe this. I've seen Goran even his bit three times in three days. And, uh, and uh, I, I remember feeling a bit like a stalker at this point. But I, I, that night when I packed my briefcase, I had this moment where I thought, you know what, just in case, just in case, 
I packed my camera. So I put my camera in the bag, went out, and you're not going to believe what happened. <laughs> that next day, I went down the lift, I came out the lobby, no one's there, I'm looking around, oh, come on, there's got to be a Goron here, come on, no Goron, I'm looking for any Croatian looking person to get me excited, there's no one there, no Goron, so what I do was, I, I just walk out, and I come out, just outside the sliding doors, I walk out into the sliding doors, and you're not going to believe it. Goran Ivan Isovich. There he was. At this point, I said to Goran, I said, Goran, I said, look, I'm, I, said, I said to him, look, I know this sounds really weird, but I just want to say to you, I'm not a stalker. Like, I, I, I'm not following you. And he says, it's okay, I understand. And I'm like, oh, yes, it's great. At this point, I said to him, I'm not a stalker, but I'm... I got this camera and I just wanted to... Anyway, I was just so excited, man. This is a big moment for me. And just to, uh, to show you... There I am! There we go! Thank you. Thank you. I was very, very, very excited. Now, just so you know, right, this guy's famous and back then he was, trust me, tennis player, exciting tennis player, very famous and meeting him, I tell you what, it changed my whole tennis career. I got into tennis like you wouldn't believe after that. The next day, I rang my brother up and said, we're playing. Every time I want, want a point, I'm like, 30 love. And I was like, <laughs> it was amazing, amazing. That's meeting Goran, right? But could you imagine meeting Jesus? I mean, Goran, no one, no one even knew who he was. Right? Could you imagine meeting Jesus? I mean, he's famous, he's famous, right? I mean, you got Goran famous. But Jesus, Jesus is the most famous person that has ever lived. I kid you not. I mean, really is. There are more books written about Jesus than anyone that has ever lived. In fact, if you go to the uh, largest library in the world, the, uh, the Library of the United States Congress, uh, and if you, they've ranked which topics are the uh, most uh, uh, written about, right? Which books are written about the most. You've got like uh, Einstein, he's got a whole stack of books written about him. The, the second most is uh, Shakespeare. The, the amount of books that are written about Shakespeare, there are, uh, in, in their library at the moment, there's something like 8,000 something uh, books dedicated to the life of Shakespeare. The first place goes to Jesus. Uh, do you know how many? Not 8,000, but 17,000. We are talking about, I'm not kidding here, we are talking about a very famous person. There are more books written about him, there is more songs sung about him, there is more artwork painted about him than any other person in history. And I want to say to you, imagine if you could meet Jesus. Actually, let me just go further than that, right? Imagine what it would be like, just imagine this, what it would be like if Jesus himself came and introduced himself to you. Just like if you had that kind of waving across the lobby moment that I had, that was my favourite moment, go on waving at me, right? Imagine Jesus says, I want to meet you. You know what? In the scriptures, actually, that happened. That happened to a guy. And I want to talk to you about this. It's an amazing, amazing story. And I'm going to talk to you about what happened to this guy. This guy's name is Zacchaeus. And what we're going to do is this. Uh, just so you know where I'm going, I'm going to do three things today. Ready? Here's the first one. First one is this. I'm going to introduce to you what Zacchaeus was like before he met Jesus. Yeah? Then, I'm going to introduce to you Jesus. And then, I'm going to reintroduce to you Zacchaeus, post-meeting Jesus. Everyone with me? Not if you're with me? With me? Excellent. Excellent. 
Alright, so here's what we're going to do. Let's get stuck into uh, the story. Uh, if you have your Bibles open, it's Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you uh, the story. I'm going to retell it to you and you'll see, uh, you'll see this amazing story. So the first thing you, you find out from Luke chapter 19 is this. Uh, it talks about Jesus. And Jesus was... Do you know where he, anyone know where he, was, where he was going to? What? Ah, that's what I thought too when I first met it. He wasn't. He was only passing through Jericho on the way to Jerusalem. This is important. I'll tell you why. Follow me. This is important. Because he's heading on, to, on the way to Jerusalem. Because when he gets to Jerusalem, it's going to be the climax of his mission. Right? When he gets to Jerusalem, this is going to be the ultimate moment, the end point moment, the moment where Jesus, as you know the old story, where Jesus dies and his mission is complete. So he's on the way to Jerusalem for that mission. But in the meantime, he enters Jericho. Now, has anyone here studied geography or anything like that? Okay, some of you. Right, good. Uh, I don't know anything about geography at all. Uh, but I so looked a bit up about Jericho and Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, Jericho is to the east of Jerusalem, which is important. And Jericho is actually a lot uh, lower. What's that word called, actually? Oh, Altitude, it's altitude, right? Perhaps, who knows, whatever. It's lower, okay? And so Jericho is a lot lower than Jerusalem. Now, why that's important is this. Uh, Jericho is actually, functions as a city where everybody going through, from that direction anyway, everyone going through up to Jerusalem passes through Jericho. You with me? So everyone has to pass through Jericho. And so Jericho actually is a major, major city centre that all trade has to go through on the way to Jerusalem. Uh, uh, it's kind of like um, um, a port. Actually, no, port on the season. It's like a port on the land uh, <laughs> where, where, where all, all traffic goes through when they're doing trade. What is important is this, because Jericho has then become not just an important city, but it becomes the place that has become, for taxes, yeah, a tax-collecting centre. Everyone with me? Everyone goes through here, and I mean, there's taxes in all the different villages, but when you get to Jericho, it's the big tax. Big taxes. And so that's the, that's the setup. And so, as you now, let me introduce you to Zacchaeus. Have a look at verse 2. When you get to verse 2, you'll see this. There is a man named Zacchaeus. It's a great, I'm going to tell you something about his name in a moment. And who was he? He was a chief tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. Let me tell you what everybody thought about Zacchaeus. Now, you might have heard this story a whole million times, perhaps, but here's the thing. You may not get the depth to which people hated Zacchaeus. I want to show you. Ready? Uh, who was, anyone know, who was ruling? What was the superpower ruling in that time? The Romans? Yeah. The Romans were ruling in that time. The Romans were imposing these taxes, right, on the Jewish people. Zacchaeus is a Jewish person. And... The, the Jewish people will hate the Roman rule. They hate it. Yeah? But, but Zacchaeus is working for the enemy. You with me? He's crossing serious national boundaries here, right? This is like, I mean, it's quite a bad picture. You've got kind of like, like um, in the Holocaust, you've got like Nazis and Jews, and it would be like a Jewish person joining the Nazis and rounding up Jewish people. Are you with me? This is what Zacchaeus is doing. They, they, they're like, we don't even owe money. We don't, we don't owe money to the to Romans. But he, as a Jewish person, goes and collects from his own people for Rome. You with me? People hate him. In fact, he would have been spat on most days by most people. People would never even use his name. They would never speak to him. He was a total outcast. Not just that, 
that he wasn't just a tax collector in one of those villages. Where was he? In Jericho. He was a, he was a tax collector in the big city, but not just that. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was heaps of tax collectors. What was he? He was the chief tax collector. The ruling chief tax collector. He was the main guy. And on top of that, he was rich. Do you know why he was rich? He was rich because, uh, historians say, that tax collectors were often rich because they would just take a bit of money on the side all the time. Are you with me? Do you realise how much they would hate him? He's working for the Romans. He's the big guy tax collector. And he's taking their money. This guy, in the Jewish minds, was an absolute sinner. He was as bad as it gets. He was as bad as it gets. Which is why, something that you maybe not, don't know, the meaning of his name is fascinating. There's a lot of irony. You want to, you want to know what Zacchaeus means? The, the, this sinful man Zacchaeus? His name means pure, innocent and clean. Isn't that fascinating? So he is Mr. Pure, Innocent and Clean by name. In this scene, full of sin. And what was he trying to do? There's the case, the chief tax collector is really rich, and one day he was trying, it's important, one thing we know about Zacchaeus, he was trying to see who Jesus was, verse 3, right? He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he wasn't able to for a great reason, a couple of reasons. First one is this. Uh, I want you to imagine, I'm not sure if you've ever imagined what it would have been like, been like in that time when Jesus was there, right? Jesus was healing people. Everywhere, right? People are just like, you know, uh, they've got diseases, diseases are leaving them. I want you to imagine what kind of commotion that would have caused. I mean, you've got to understand this. Sometimes I forget this picture, but like if Jesus turned up in Sydney, right, or sorry, sorry, if, one, if someone turned up in Sydney on the news tonight, you turned on the news, and you said there was someone who, who legitimately was healing everybody he touched. And like he's walking into hospitals, and hospitals is empty, right? Right, can you just tell me what kind of stir would be happening? Do you know anyone who's sick? Any relatives who've got uh, you know, major sicknesses? Any friends? Do you think you wouldn't be just grabbing them and charging yourself there? This is happening. This is not a make-believe story. This is happening. Jesus is going around healing people and the crowds are massive. We're talking about massive crowds and they're just following like a big horde. They're following and following Jesus. And Zacchaeus can't see. He wants to get into those crowds. He can't see because he wants to see who Jesus was. He's got a particular interest that day in seeing who Jesus was and he wasn't able to, firstly because of the crowds, but secondly because of a really humorous reason. Why? He was short. This guy was a little short guy, right? I'm not sure what you, you picture him. You've got to picture the big crowds and a little short man, right? Little short Zacchaeus. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe cast him as an actor in your mind. I don't know. What actor have you got? Danny DeVito. He's Danny DeVito. This is Danny DeVito Zacchaeus, and he's running around and he's trying to get in, and there he is, and he can't do it. And he can't do it. So he's a, real, he's a bit of a thinker, though, Zacchaeus. What he does is he goes, This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run ahead of the crowds. The crowds are all just around Jesus. He's going, I'm going to run ahead of the crowds, and I'm going to climb up a tree and just wait. And then just going to look have a best vantage point look at who this Jesus is since Jesus was about to pass that way. I want you to imagine that. So he runs up, finds this tree. What type of tree? A sycamore tree, actually. I, no, I, I don't know. I've read this passage a million times since I was growing up and I have no idea what a sycamore tree is. I'm just picturing like a, he's hanging off like a gum tree, like a koala, right? So, kind of dude, he's not doing that, right? I tell you what, I, I was backpacking in South America with my wife and I, I, I was walking through this thing, this garden, and it had this big sign saying sycamore tree one day. I saw it and I'm like, man, I'm going to take a photo of that. I'll show you what a sycamore tree looks like. It's a fascinating tree. Look at that. See? This is a sycamore tree. 
Now, do you get that right? It's big. We are, this is a serious tree. I mean, it's, it's not a gum tree, alright? You live in this tree. This is a serious tree. So you can see that the size of the people, and you've got these massive long branches, right? And look how they go. How easy is this to climb? This is a great tree. I want you to picture You're picturing Danny DeVito in this tree. Right? And there he is, Zacchaeus, he's perfect trees, hanging off one of these branches and just waiting for Jesus to walk by. Yeah? Uh, and so there it is. And I want to just leave him there for a second. Right, everyone picture it. Everyone's got him in the tree. I want to stop for a second and just say a couple of things. Right, actually, just one thing about Zacchaeus. And the most interesting thing about Zacchaeus there, and perhaps the most challenging thing for all of us in this room today, is this. Zacchaeus really wanted to see who Jesus was. He actually was very interested for some reason that day. He really, he really wanted to capture who is this guy, Jesus. He wanted to see, he was trying to see who Jesus was. And here's my question. For every single person in this room, every one of you, I reckon we're all at some point on a spectrum of how much we are trying to see who Jesus is. I'll give you the spectrum, I'll give you a line. Right? You just tell me, where, where, are you on, where are you on this line? I mean, are you, uh, uh, perhaps you're just over here and you're just totally not interested in seeing who Jesus is. My guess, if I can just put it out there, my guess is that it's unlikely that there is anyone in this room here, unless you, otherwise you wouldn't be here, just quite frankly. Although there may be some of you. Totally not interested in seeing who Jesus was. Well, what about next? Perhaps maybe you're, little, are you're just a little bit um, puzzled about Jesus. Maybe just kind of like... Uh, I don't quite get him and I'm not sure what all the commotion is about. Maybe just a bit over here, maybe just a bit more, more than that, maybe a bit more intrigued. And you kind of work out, why are there so many people gathering in this hall every week to hear about Jesus? And why are there people sitting on the floor and all that kind of stuff? And why do they wear those crazy t-shirts and put those posters up? And what, what's going on? Maybe you're a bit more than that. Maybe you're, maybe you're just a little bit intrigued. Uh, maybe, maybe it's more than that. Maybe you're actually quite interested today. Maybe today you're just like... I am quite interested to see what this guy is on about. And I'm genuinely interested. Maybe you're even more, maybe you're quite open. Maybe you're just like, you know what? I'm really, really right today to engage with this Jesus person. I'm coming here with an open, open slide. I, where are you on this line? Maybe just working out, are you here? 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 All of us are somewhere on the spectrum. All of us are somewhere. And I want to say today, the first thing to learn from this Zacchaeus story is this. I feel like today, we need to work out, are you willing and ready to see who Jesus is? Because I'm about to introduce to you Jesus. Yeah? And you've got to work out where you're on the spectrum first. So where we, where, with respect to the story, where have we left Zacchaeus? Where is he? Up a tree. Zacchaeus is up there on a tree. The crowds are coming. The crowds are coming. Right? Jesus is coming. The crowds are coming. And I want you to imagine this moment. There's Zacchaeus. He's hiding up in the bushy leaves. He's all there. He's hiding. He's hanging onto his branch. He's perfectly hidden. Uh, uh, not only is he not one, I mean, he doesn't want anyone to see him. People don't like him anyway. So he's up there hiding the tree. And then Jesus comes, verse 5. And check this out. I want you to imagine this. Jesus comes, ready? You're picturing that big sycamore tree. And he comes very determinedly, it says in the passage, exactly to that place. Jesus comes exactly to that place and stops. And then he looks up in that tree right in between all the leaves and everything, he looks right up and he says, Zacchaeus! Which puts Zacchaeus is just like, 
There's another Zacchaeus in his tree, or? <laughs> Zacchaeus is grabbing up. Did you say Zacchaeus? He's, he's, he's going to fall out of the tree. What's going on? But after Jesus says again, he says, Zacchaeus! Very loudly. And everyone's like, what? He says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Because today, I'm going to crash at your house. I think I can tell from the reactions in this room you're feeling this story. I mean, this is absurd. This is an absurd moment. This is the celebrity man Jesus walking around with crowds and crowds of people just trying to get near him and he stops and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to stay at your house. And what are the people around him thinking? In fact, the people around him and the religious leaders, which is the context of the story, the, the people who like religion... They're actually standing around and they're muttering to themselves. They are thinking, you have got to be joking. I mean, not only, people won't even look at him, they'll spit at him. Not forget just looking, no one would talk to him. And so Jesus looks at him, talks to him, and says, let's go hang out in your place. And the religious leaders are like, you've got to be joking me. You have got to be kidding me. They are really, really angry. Did he, did he actually do that with Zacchaeus? Stay at your house. And so what does Zacchaeus do? Comes down quickly, down the tree, and he welcomes Jesus joyfully. And verse 7, so you know I'm not making up, all of them begin to complain. And they say, he's gone to lodge with a sinful man. Let me stop there in the story and introduce to you Jesus now. Right? We've introduced you Zacchaeus. Now let me tell you about Jesus. There's three things at least that I need to tell you about these in that little section. The first one is this. When it comes to looking for people that Jesus wants to connect with, when it comes to, look, to looking for people that Jesus wants a relationship with, ready? Jesus always initiates the searching. Jesus always initiates the searching. Are you with me? Jesus was very clear there, did you see? He went exactly to that tree. He knew where he was going. Jesus went exactly to that spot and he looked exactly up at Zacchaeus. He knows who he was looking for that day. And it's my understanding of the scriptures and my understanding of Jesus that this is how Jesus works today. Yeah? Jesus initiates searching for people. He looks for people. He does that by his spirit. And I want to say to you, can I just say something a little bit bold? But I know it's true that definitely in a room of this size, definitely with this many people here, my guess is that Jesus is looking to relate to some of you here today. That he particularly wants to do business with you today. I I don't know who it is in this room. You know. But Jesus always initiates the searching. Here's the second point. What kind of people does he look for? What kind of people does he look for? What you need to understand is this. Jesus doesn't just look for good people. I'll tell you who Jesus wants to look for. He wants to look for people. He's an ugly word that the Bible uses a lot. He wants to look for sinners. See, this is the misconception, I think, about Christianity. So often, I think people think about Christianity and they think, you know what, those Jesus followers, it's all about being good. That's what religion is, right? Being good. It's just for the good people, that little holy huddle club that you got. I've got someone who lives on my street uh, who says that to me all the time, actually. She kind of has to go quite often, she knows I'm a minister. She says, ah, she says, you've been checking up on us, you're checking up on us sinners, she says. 
right? And like, I want to say to her, no, because I won. Jesus hates that kind of religion. The religious leaders in the story promote that kind of stuff, but Jesus hates that religion. Now the thing is, you won't appreciate how amazing it is that Jesus loves sinful people unless you understand and appreciate and realise who you are. You see, friends, it is only, you're only able to appreciate that Jesus wants to look for sinful people when you understand that you and I, all of us, all of us are sinful people. By that I mean this. All of us are people who reject God. All of us turn our backs on Him and decide to do life totally without Him. And we reject Him. But the thing is, we don't say that, we don't like saying we're sinful people. Who likes saying that? We don't like saying it. Do you know why? And I'll tell you what we do instead. What we do is we go through life deluding ourselves, to be honest. Can I just, I'm going to be really blunt, but I have heaps of time, so I've, I want to tell you the truth. I think, we, I think we all go through life giving ourselves names like pure and clean. We go through life kind of convincing ourselves, convincing everyone else that everything's okay, but you know it's not. You know that deep down God is no part of your life. I know that too, to myself. And we go through with our self-delusion and we tell ourselves we're okay, but the truth is we're not. The Bible tells us all of us have sinned and all of us fall short of God. And all of us reject Him. Yet Jesus, as I just said, Jesus loves people who reject Him. Jesus actually cares for people who reject Him. He looks for sinners. He loves sinners. But not only that, here's the third thing, not only does He initiate the searching, not only does He initiate searching for people like you and me who are sinners, but the third thing is this, Jesus wants relationship with sinners. He wants relationship with sinners. I mean, look, there's friendship and there's friendship. I reckon there's, if I drew up a big mind map of all of you right now, and that, who knows who, there's, there's all different levels of friendship in this room, right? Some of you know each other a little bit, some of you know a bit more. Now, there's levels of friendship, but I've, one thing I've realised, particularly uh, since I've lived in my own house with my wife and kids, one thing I've realised is this. When you invite someone into your home, and you've experienced this surely. When, when you invite someone into your home, into your space, right? When you go into their space, into their home, your friendship moves into another level. Automatically, it does. Something, something happens. It's, just, it's a weird thing that crosses all cultures and all boundaries. When you go into someone's place, you connect. There's a deeper level of connection. There's a deeper level of acceptance. And what Jesus has done here with Zacchaeus, you hear this right? He hasn't just said, you know what, uh, let's just catch up sometime or hello very briefly. He said this, I want to go into your house. You see? What Jesus is doing here is he's showing that when it comes to Zacchaeus, even the one who is most sinful, according to all the religious people, he just wants a relationship with him. He wants deep acceptance. And this is important, friends, because this is what Jesus wants for you. And here's the third point. Let's go now to the rest of the story and I'll introduce to you the new Zacchaeus. All right? So I've introduced you Zacchaeus, I've introduced you Jesus. And let's, let's have a look at the new Zacchaeus. So where do we leave it? Right? Where do we leave it? They're all complaining. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. 
And what does Zacchaeus do? He's down the tree now, and in some of your translations you'll read it. He says, he stood up. In other words, like he stood up in front of all the people, all these people who are like growling and grumbling and they, they would normally spit on him. He stands up like he's making a declaration to all the people. And you're not going to believe what he does. In front of all the people, first thing he says is, Zacchaeus stood up and he, he doesn't call him a stranger anymore. He calls him Lord. He says, Lord. And then he says this, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. I want you to feel that. You've got to feel that. Right? This is a rich man. He's saying half of his possessions. I'm not sure. If you don't feel it, I want you to perhaps spend a bit of time um, adding up your personal wealth right now. Okay, that won't take too long. You're going to shoot $20, right? <laughs> All right, you own $20. Now, our students own $5. No, no. Here we go, right? Your personal wealth, right? Whatever it is, you add up all that. It's not just his money, right? I think it says half of all his possessions, everything he owns, right? So you've got that whole ton, sum. He gets that sum and he halves it, right? And he says, I'm going to give all that away to the poor. And he doesn't have heaps of money left, so what do you reckon he does next? <laughs> he says, Lord, and if I've cheated anyone from anything, any, anything from anyone, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay back four times that amount. Are you feeling what we're kind of talking here? We're not just talking a little bit of correction here. We're saying half of my money gone to the poor. Out of the other half, if we've cheated anyone, which is most people, I'm going to pay back. I'm going to pay back four times the amount, which is amazing. Part of that's an Old Testament law, actually. In Exodus, um, uh, Exodus 22, you'll see that there's a law that you've got to pay back more if you've cheated someone, but not that much more. So he goes over and beyond. Something is happening in his heart. Something's happened, yeah. This is this is not this is not normal. You can't. can't. No one does that. Right? No one does that. And Jesus says, today. That's why Jesus can say, today, salvation has come to this house. Today. A few things I want to say about the news of keys. First one is this. He calls Jesus Lord. He calls Jesus Lord. What that looks like, I think, is it means, and this is why he's able to say it, it means he puts everything, his whole life, and this is what it means for you if you were to call Jesus Lord, it means putting your whole life, everything you are, everything you own, all that represents you, and you put that under Jesus' feet. It means coming to Jesus and saying, you know what, you are king and boss of all of it, and I surrender all of it to you. The second thing I want to say is this, not only... Do we learn here that we need to call Jesus Lord? But the second thing we need to learn is this. We need to learn, this is really important, I'm very passionate about this bit. We need to learn, right, what real repentance looks like. What real repentance looks like. He did three things, the case, ready? Watch this. He recognised, he recognised he was wrong. Then he went and fixed broken relationships. And then he actually, it's hard to see, but he actually joined in with Jesus' mission. Because if you know the book of Luke, there's a lot about the poor in there, right? Right? And he's actually joined in by uh, giving money away to the poor. Three things happen. He recognises he's wrong. He wants to fix relationships. And he lives Jesus' mission. Friends, this is what repentance looks like. And this is what Jesus wants from us. This is really important because there are so many talks that I've actually been guilty of giving, to be honest, in my younger years. Right? Where I've got up and I've said, you know what, you just got to say sorry to God. And don't forget, and, 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 and that's true. You need to. But too often, I think... 
We simplify this whole thing down and we think, you know what the answer is? Okay, say sorry to God and I get my free ticket to heaven. Right? This is my get out of jail card, jail card free. Free card, go to jail, something. Right? Right? And we kind of think, let's just get out of here, right? I'm sorry, I'm out to heaven. This is, that, that is, yes, it is that, but it's more than that. It's much more than that. You see, what Jesus wants from you, friends, and this applies to everyone in the room, and maybe if you are there saying, I've called myself a Christian for a long time, don't tune out now, because this is for you as well. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you have given your life to Him, you've not just said sorry, no. You've given yourself into a life of, of full repentance. That is, about living God's way. Your priorities have changed. You, you've, you've, your relationships are different. You're living for Jesus' mission. You see, friends, can I just say it really boldly? If you have met Jesus, I'll tell you how you know it. You know you've met Jesus when your life turns upside down. You know you've met Jesus when your whole life turns upside down. And this is what Jesus wants from you today. He's like, there's no small stakes. He's saying, come, call me Lord. Put everything under, your feet, under, under his feet. Turn your life upside down. Live for him. Change your priorities. And you might think, you've got to be joking. He says, yeah, and then you will know life. You find life. Then you will know life. You will know real life. Friends, I want to talk to some of you guys here who even, I know, some of you here I know are here for the first time, kind of just hearing this message about Jesus for the first time. That's great. Some of you here, ready? Some of you here have gone through the motions, right, and you've just kind of put the Christian label on your head and you've done that and you've even gone to church for who knows how long, just because your parents have or something, or you just come along to EU because this is where it's at and there's lots of friends and people to talk to. And you've just gone through it, but you know that God knows that you have never actually really repented. That is, you've never actually said to him, you know what, I'm so captured by what you have done for me that I want my whole life to be turned upside down for you. You know, friends, I want to say to you today, Wherever, whatever situation you're in, you need to call him Lord and you need to repent and you need to have a life that's turned upside down for Jesus. Do you know what is in the background of this whole story? It's a great story. It's actually just beforehand. Just beforehand, right, Jesus meets his, other, he meets his rich young ruler, a rich ruler, a rich chief. Right? He meets a rich chief and the rich chief comes to him and what does he say? The rich chief comes to him and he says this. He says, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What does Jesus say? Anyone know? What's that? That's right. He says, give away all your possessions to the poor. And the man walks away sad because he couldn't do it. Why? Because money was his God. Something was stopping him following Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Can anyone remember the line? It is easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to follow God and follow Jesus. Right? Easier for a rich man, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Right? Guess what just happened? A camel just went through the eye of the needle. It is. There it is. Zacchaeus just popped through the eye of the needle. And guess what it was? A rich chief ruler. And there it is. He let go of his God of money. Something was stopping him. What's stopping you? What is stopping you giving your whole life to Jesus? Something is. What is it? If it's not money, is it your image? 
Is it your fear of missing out? What is it? God wants you to deal with that today. As I close, I want to say this. Do you remember a few years ago, uh, I think a few years ago now, when the Pope came to Sydney? Right? The Pope came to Sydney, and I'll show you if you can remember the pictures. We are talking about, there were crowds everywhere. Do you remember how we used to travel around? Do you remember that? The Pope Mobile, right? He was there in this little cart in a little glass box, right? Bulletproof and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and he's there in his box and he's moving around, right? And there's crowds and crowds of people, right? I want you to imagine, right, if one day, if you were there, right, and imagine this, you read the news report, something happened, right, and the Pope was in there and one day uh, when he's going through this big thing outside the opera house, there's all these people, he just gets out of his car. Everyone's like, what? The security guards are going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Right? He gets out of his car. Walks right into the crowd, picks a person, you, crushing in your house tonight, <laughs> right? It would be absurd. But you know what? Guess what? What if, if the Pope would pop out of his little glass throne? Let me tell you this: Jesus, the most famous person in all of history, has popped out of his throne. Not just any throne. Philippians two says he was very, in the very nature, equal with God. Very nature God. Did not consort and consider equality with God something to grasp, but he made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, and he became obedient to death on a cross. He has gone to extraordinary lengths to meet you. And for some of you today, Jesus has stopped at the bottom of your tree. And he's looking up at you right now. And he's looking up and he says, You. Yes, you. I know your heart. Yes, I know. Yes, I still mean you. Yes, I know all the stuff that you think no one knows. Yes, I still mean you. And he's looking up at your tree. And he says, Today, I'm going to stay at your house. Today, I want to eat with you. Today, I want relationship with you. Today, I want your life turned upside down as you follow me. And what does Zacchaeus do when he said, Come down? He hurried down straight away and welcomed him gladly. Is Jesus searching for you today? Is he prompting your heart right now to do business with him? Has he stopped at your tree? If so, you need to respond to him gladly and welcome him in. And I'm going to pray now and give you an opportunity to do that. I'll I'll say one line at a time and give you a break afterwards to repeat that line to me. Now I want everyone to bow their heads please and close their eyes. This is an important moment. Perhaps if God is moving your heart right now, I want you to echo the line in my prayer after me and pray that to God and accept Him welcome, and welcome Him gladly. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, sorry for the way I have treated you. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I could have a relationship with you. Please come into my life and help me to live for you. Amen.